Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bogja, and welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my co-host, who almost won a poetry competition once, Robert Cross. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you, Stu. I, I, I think I came in final three of them. <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly, our other friend who he doesn't take part in the podcast, our other close friend, he did win it once, and you know, you'd never hear the end of it. It was a good poll. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did quite a good job. Um, yeah, I believe yours was lambasting the current uh, prime minister at the time. Yeah, I was. I was kind of going for a bit, a bit of that. Now you know yourself, British prime minister. It's fair, fair to say in 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 the area of Brexit, which was a hot potato issue because i mean after all brexit has just officially happened due to our our uh uk listeners uh technically yesterday we're recording this on the 2nd of january so first one of the new year as well whoop de doo 2020 is finally over yeah happy new year to all of our listeners yeah around the world i'm pretty sure it is 2021 everywhere in the world at this point yeah and we're living in a new eu it's almost a new year new eu speaking to you from the third largest english-speaking city in the european union <laughs> <laughs> default <laughs> so take take that i i presume manchester or birmingham would, would have been the third largest after london and look ireland's getting up in the world so we'll jump right into uniquely irish this week which we mention a lot on the podcast and that is going to be irish whiskey yes i think um it's fair to say myself and Stu got a fair share of irish whiskey for christmas didn't we we sample it on occasion yes i know what i got you for christmas <laughs> by the bottle <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah whiskey obviously as we said before comes from the irish word uh, ishkabaha meaning water of life which uh in many ways sums up our, our attitude oh, yes. to drinking and alcohol in this country a fair bit i think yeah isn't there that uh that quote about how uh that god invented whiskey to stop the irish taking over the world or some nonsense like that that's exactly it there's a, another quote as well i can't quite recall it's like if uh uh, work was the curse of the drinking man then um uh, whiskey was its salvation or something like that <laughs> yeah 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 there is uh on the eighth day god created whiskey to keep the irish from taking over the world yeah that's the one. yeah but uh, I, I suppose whiskey is um it's not just an irish thing of course Stu. um i'm very very partial and there amongst the many uh, bottles of irish whiskey there's many uh bottles of scotch as well so it is worth saying of course whiskey uh without an e is a very scottish thing as well hope i'm getting that right i always mix up the two <laughs> there's a uh, one has a no e before the y so you can tell a uh, scotch and irish whiskey apart yeah a bit of branding there bit of branding there but it, you know the scotch there too also have whiskey and japanese whiskey of course made kind of a good revival there a couple of years back and of course our american friends will know their their uh, whiskey and rye and their bourbon down in the south well rob of course they make whiskeys a lot of places but we're, we're going to focus yeah. on the irish I, here to talk I, about specifically yeah. irish whiskey which has a uh, quite a, a long and storied history in the country that was the very uh, least do worth mentioning a few other uh, nice whiskey spots out there and also noting that yeah well Irish people or Scottish people or uh, Scots-Irish did have a hand in uh, popularising them uh, certainly a lot of the places down in Tennessee that do the bourbon uh, would have their roots in the Scots-Irish as uh, that went over there um, 
taking their techniques with them. So I, I think people, when they think of whiskey, they're thinking of, you know, a strong spirit, if you will. I suppose in, in the Irish sense... Usually 40%, yeah, or 80 proof, I suppose. Yeah, it, 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 if it's scotch, it legally has to be at least 40%. Irish whiskey is a little more bit of a leeway there. You can get ones that are like about 35%. We don't have a, a legal prote- uh, the same level of legal protections as they do to scotch. But then again, we're in the EU and, you know, we can just, uh, you know, use, use all those into intellectual property rights now that unfortunately the Scots can't at the moment. What we wish them the very best in their endeavours to leaving the Union and rejoining the EU will be very happy to support that. But I suppose, too, in a very broad term, if I could talk about Irish whiskey here, um, you have like different whiskey regions in, in Scotland, using as the kind of closest comparison that we'd have here, which all have their kind of own unique flavour and things like that. Like you have uh, Isla whiskey, which is like a Lagavulin, which is like peat. It has a very smoky taste to it. You'd have your space sides like uh, Glen Morangi, who would be very, very, very smooth. Your Highland whiskey, which has got like a bit more of a kick to it, for example. Ireland doesn't really have whiskey regions per se. You know, there there are more regional whiskey brands coming up here, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But Irish whiskey is kind of taken as being anywhere from the entire island, including the islands off the coast as well, and is it's generally categorized as being a very, very smooth, very easy to drink whiskey uh, generally across the board. So that's kind of the main characteristic of it. Now, there are a couple of more uh, variations in, in a few of them, particularly now that there is in the next couple of years, there's going to be a very big Irish whiskey boom. Uh, the thing about it is it does take at least five years to make kind of good whiskey. So there's a lot of places that are starting now. Uh, when gin got very very big a couple of years back that was them kind of testing the waters getting the stuff ready because that was um an easy way to kind of get get the kind of brewery out there see so like your dingle gins your kilbegin as well before they got into the thing properly they were doing it as well so we're going to see there's even thoman whiskey now in limerick who are putting out a blend uh blended whiskey of other whiskies that will be kind of close to the taste that they want when their 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 whiskey is ready in about i think 2023 2024 is what they're talking about so we're, we're going to see an explosion in that in the next couple of years it's it's a it's a great thing to see if you're like myself and Stephen uh, are fond of the odd tipple but generally speaking Irish whiskey is seen as being very smooth I think the um the largest brands, as we definitely discussed before in this podcast, would be uh, Jameson. I think would probably be the, the biggest two. Yep. Then you have the likes of Powers, Bushmills, Paddy. Paddy. Yeah. Uh, Kilbegin um, as well is a, no, another favourite of mine. And uh, Tullamore Dew, Irish Mist. Yeah, like the Tullamore Dew. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think if we were kind of talking about market share, I, I think I'd have to say Jameson is definitely, or Jameson, if you want to pronounce it that way, would probably be the biggest. I mean, oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, they're huge. I mean, I, I remember watching, a, watching what was at a whiskey tribe Great i think YouTube the channel. youtube channel there they had a video where they actually went to the jameson distillery here and they wandered around you know you see like the you know thousands and thousands of barrels that they have in storage waiting for it to to mature and like i think like, i say thousands probably more in the millions really because i think that like the the amount that just of evaporates course. off because part of it's just water or whatever is like you know in the thousands of barrels a day yeah, I think we, we did discuss this and i think it might have been the simpsons episode that we did actually because they they were talking about bushmills and, and jameson's i think if you go into a pub in ireland and ask for just like a whiskey you'd probably get a jameson although i think most places might just specify but that's it a few of the older places might do powers i would say powers is you know it's a bit maybe a bit rougher i i suppose it maybe would be seen as being like lower shelf than standard jameson but powers yeah. is pretty much what everyone would use for doing a hot whiskey which is something it is a bit i suppose uniquely irish um a hot i don't think it's really a hot toddy as some people would say but i, I think we may have said this before in the pod but i'll just say it again 
Yeah, that's what we're trying to say. You have a sore throat or a cold, hot whiskey until you'll do it. So generally, it'd be measure of whiskey, usually powers because you know it's not. It, you know, you you you, would, you wouldn't be using top shelf stuff here because it might um it would definitely like, affect the taste. You wouldn't be wasting good whiskey boiling it up like that. So you then put in generally a bit of brown sugar um within your boiling water, and it's generally served with like a lemon with some cloves in it then as well, Stu. Um, that's what I would categorize a hot whiskey as. And it's normally in one of the... Um, yeah, so it's great to clear the sinuses. Yeah, that's it. So generally powers would be used for that as well. Um, Bushmills, which is... Oh, I'm very fond of it, I must say. The Bushmills Black and White Label are kind of the two main ones. But they have Red Bush as well, which is uh, I'm very fond of. There's a kind of craze at the moment of uh, sherry f- uh, finishing whiskies. We, I think we might talk about that briefly because I think our respective Christmas presents had quite quite a lot of that. Uh, Bushmills is, is up in Bushmills in Northern Ireland. But uh, I think the, the, the main the main thing to talk about with yeah. Irish whiskey is the pot stilling process because I think that that's what differentiates it from a lot of yeah. other whiskeys. Obviously, other countries might do that now, but we were the ones who that's started much because of the British. Of surprise, surprise. They uh, they started taxing the uh, the malted barley that we were using to make our whiskey. So we developed a process where I think it's like 50-50 malted and unmalted barley. That's a, that sounds about right. Yeah. A new type of whiskey. That's it. It, it. It's kind of what gives it kind of the smoothness, I suppose, in, in a certain extent. It's just kind of the years of uh, expertise with that. And it's um, if you look into like the history of why all the different whiskey regions in Scotland, why they all have their own unique thing. It's it's kind of things like this too, where you know it's using the limitations you have at the time gives you the unique flavor, gives you the unique way of making the whiskey. And you know whatever people like in the end, that's what they'll stick with. Um, so it's it's like things you pass down, even like the whole yeah. stills, like the the the, the dents that they have in specific places when they got like a new they dent it in the same way because they said oh it'll, it'll taste the same then when you do scientific research much much later you find that oh those specific dents actually cause um it to, it to brew in a specific way so that's how the taste does kind of remain consistent i'm simplifying that down a lot but like you know you can you can look it up yeah the other big thing for for irish whiskey i suppose is Something that we only see now in decorations in pubs, which is they're almost memorials at this stage to older distilleries. Because I know in the past there were hundreds of small local distilleries around the country. And then obviously as time progressed and taxation and other things came along, uh, a lot of them shut down so that we only have the the big hitters like Jameson and Bushmills and that. But uh, it is always lovely to wander into a pub and see the, uh, the few... Uh, mirrors that have logos for whiskeys gone by some of the places as well have for like the aesthetic they have like up the old bottles of whiskey like like, the the old bottles of medicine and things like that as well it's kind of a nice pastiche of irish culture but uh, pretty much back in the day like every kind of city and large town in ireland would have had maybe their own distillery or they'd be you know if if you were say like in limerick we'd be putting out stuff to the county and maybe county clare and parts of tipperary as well so you'd have like a kind of regional thing there but that that kind of died off i suppose um to kind of it but like i was kind of saying there Stu, there's a lot of places now that are setting up new distilleries and they're getting ready to do it um quite quite a few of them actually uh, and i think loudon's out in Clare. they they were mostly doing uh, beer and stuff they actually stopped their whiskey distilling process uh, during the pandemic to make um the alcohol gel for you know what uh, washing your hands so so they've actually put oh, that right. there um i'm pretty sure it's loudon's i stand to be corrected on that area I, I didn't write this down and a few other places did as well uh, started making the the alcohol gel so they've actually put back their production for a little bit but i suppose the thing about whiskey is no one's going to complain if it's a little bit older <laughs> so that's fine yeah sure look i mean it is what it is and uh at least we're going to have a boom i'll, I'll give a special shout out to slain whiskey which i got for christmas as well and i'm a big fan of it's um 
a new enough company. They have these ones that are aged in a sherry barrel. So it has a very kind of sweet taste to it. Um, Steve got, I know Steve got a bottle of that for Christmas. I think he's uh, was, was fairly fond of it as well. So I'll give an special shout out to them. Yeah, I think that the one thing with the, the Slane bottle is that it's, it's completely dark. You yeah. can't see through it. So it's a little unnerving <laughs> when... Uh, you don't know how much you drank. <laughs> That's true. But if you want to go to a distillery in Dublin, I'm going to recommend the Teeling Distillery. It's over the other side of the river, the the, the south side. Go there. Is It would be my advice to you. I've heard nothing but positive praise from tourists that gone there. And I'm not saying this is an official policy or nothing still. I, I'm just saying this is what people tell me because people, not as many people go there. They have to get rid of the free samples. You know what I mean? So it seems like people are getting getting their money's worth for going in there. That's all I'm That's all I'm going to say. Oh. I, I mean, I can't, I can't verify that. I haven't been there myself but when this is all over I think we better investigate this too for the sake of the podcast as long as we can just about walk out again <laughs> we can we can certainly hope what uh, what movie did we do this week Stu? well if you don't know what movie we did then I'd be quite worried this week we're finally even though we didn't mention it last week getting down to doing Irish Jam the uh, the movie that we kind of missed out on for almost a month just uh, due to extenuating circumstances but we're getting back to it yeah now. it was like because i had a exam and then while mountain time came out we kind of dropped everything and then it was just like we <laughs> we tried doing one hungover which didn't go too well it was a bit short a bit shorter than normal and then we did the rewards so we're finally getting around to this now so if you were at the, at the edge of your seats waiting to hear what we thought of this film um here here you go so uh you'd like to give the summary maybe Sue. upon discovering that their town is up for sale crafty irish villagers scheme to to raise the money to prevent the buyout. They hold a poetry contest with a tempting grand prize, the deed to their local pub. But what could happen when a duplicitous American rapper emerges as the best poet around? Yeah, so this, um, I don't know where you found this film, Stu, but um, my God, like I, I occasionally do say this on the podcast, I think like with the Yank and a few other ones, that there's a couple of films and it's like you see them as like, this is exactly what we are looking for for this podcast. And this is another one of those, like, Jesus, is this a pa- is this a bastardized version of Ireland? Yeah, it, it, like you're going to have to help me out with this one, Rob, because I did watch it almost a month ago at this stage. <laughs> but from what I remember, like there are a few there, there are a few small parts of it that seem to get Ireland right. There, there, yeah, I mean, it nice, is. I, but I, I mean, overall. It is. I mean, I'm just going to get this out of the way now. This is this is a shite film. Um, I really didn't enjoy it at all. I think if we if we actually had done this on schedule, we I think this could have featured in our in our awards. Um, <laughs> last week, I have oh, a yes, feeling. It, I have a feeling so. it could have been. But yeah, so this is a bizarre film. I'd I'd go as far as saying, Stu. There's very little Irish involvement in it at all. Like it wasn't filmed in Ireland. Um, um there's very few Irish actresses in it. Um, I don't think there's any. Irish person actually playing a, a a major role in this at all. I think it's all English people playing. It. Uh, no, there's um, not, and uh, they actually recorded it in Cornwall rather than in Ireland. Oh no, Ireland. You, you can tell, you see, because I could tell in the I could tell in the very first scene that um, this wasn't shot in Ireland because the cows, those are Highland cows, or well, they're like they're Jersey cows. Like, I remember, but the point is, we don't have those cows in Ireland. So you, if you if you know cattle, you're like, and that's uh, and that's clearly bollocks. Also, that like the 
entry bit like where it's, it's actually quite like a, a nice little village shot you get like where they go into the natural harbour and all the houses are kind of built around that that's like on several BBC shows I instantly knew that was down in Cornwall there's nowhere in Ireland that looks exactly like that and also it's described as an island um, intermittently because like, they keep talking about boats back yeah well that part was quite strange but it's inconsistent as well it's just like wait is it is it an island or isn't it an island because it seems to jump all over the, the shop and anyway yeah yeah the island of Ballywood yes do I did look up Ballywood um you know to see see if if there is any place called Ballywood would you like to know what Go I ahead. found well Stu I can tell you that uh, Ballywood was in Chelsea <laughs> okay yeah, that's a different name I can get it's uh it, there's a horse called Ballywood uh that it actually did compete in, in Cheltenham this year as far as I can see uh he was racing as recently as November and he came uh let's see now uh he came sixth out of nine in the nine and a half league Magic Saint in uh, Cheltenham, he was at eleven to nine, so he, he I think, or, or thirteen to two. I can't really tell the odds here are different. And uh, yeah, he seems like a perfectly competent horse, or she doesn't say if they're a gender, but they are. Uh, they were sired up in Ballingarry, which is uh, just up the road from us, which isn't too far away. And they they have an Irish trainer, but they are appear to be owned in France. It does appear. So there there you go. Stu Ballywood is a horse. Uh, the only other information I can find about a Ballywood is now i don't know what this is this is some kind of japanese anime called one piece if you know it i don't know but it popped up here as well. <laughs> uh, yeah i know of one yeah, piece I, yeah you know but the very the ballywood kingdom is a nation somewhere in the world that is ruled by king hamburger makes perfect uh, sense to me is known about the country's geography because it's yet to make an appearance nothing is known about the kingdom's history because it's yet to make an appearance uh the kingdom's name and attire is of its king possibly suggests that it's based on the united states of america with the name being based Based on the USA's center of entertainment, Hollywood, California. There you go. <laughs> Odd, but sure, why not? Um, so I suppose the, the movie as a whole, it, it felt when I, from what I remember anyway, that it was almost like two movies. Like there were some scenes in it which were actually kind of sweet, and then there were others that were like out of a proper nineties schlocky comedy movie. Yeah, it's it's a very disjointed film. Like really. Like there's the scenes like in Los Angeles and the scenes in quote unquote Ireland, of course, which are very, very different. But even when, you know, your your man James or Jimmy comes over to Ireland um, to take over the pub that he's won in the poetry competition, it, it jumps all over the place. Like some bit he's up and he's he's rapping over Irish traditional music, uh, quote unquote. We'll get into that later, which is all right. This kind of works. I mean, there's kind of people now who like merge rap and traditional music is like, all right, this isn't awful. Like he's not a bad rapper. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of it, but I know from doing spoken word stuff, he has a good flow. Um, then there's like quite sweet scenes where he's off with uh, Maureen. Um, but then there's like weird bits where he's, you know, trying to act all cool and like a badass, and he's, he's obviously not. And then there's the scenes like with the the Lord of the Manor and all that. It's just it's 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 really all over the shop. Like there's no flow in this film at all. It's um it just jumps from scene to scene to scene. You almost don't have time to process some of the things. And there are bits in it that are it does kind of get close to being kind of sweet. Like I like the the little girl Maureen's daughter is uh, whose name escapes me Kathleen. Um, Kathleen, I knew it was something Ian, yeah. <laughs> it's like cookie cutter Irish names. She's actually seems like a, de- a decent enough actress in it. Like she, I mean, she's mostly mute for the film as as, as is a plot point. But uh, yeah, but even with, with the muteness, it takes it takes so long to to realize that she's mute. 
like I think like in my notes I think I have about halfway down the page where I put a question mark after mute because like is she mute we haven't established that at all well he doesn't get established until like way further into the film where you find out like um Maureen her, her mother who she like lives with along with the grandfather and the brother who's a priest interesting family but anyway like her father died they were hit by a drunk driver and he basically protected her and she hasn't spoken since then because you know massive trauma under understandable I was like oh oh my god that's awful yeah obviously and she obviously does speak and sing and at the end and all this and it's an important point but like it's it kind of comes out of nowhere like I mean you could have maybe set it up a bit better because like it is one of the I suppose warmer moments of the film where like Jimmy and Maureen are like getting to know each other and she's opening up to him and he opens up to her about like having his uh his his marriage which <laughs> Jesus that that's a that was a certainly a thing in the film um but it just doesn't really it's too late in the film at that point because you it 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 doesn't kind of gel yeah uh, another thing you mentioned uh how it jumps from scene to scene what did you think of those awful transitions where it's the kind of the record scratch oh god like this hasn't aged well at all like it, it's it's very much almost like a, a tv pastiche Cause I, like, I know this like went to straight to dvd if it didn't i'd be shocked because it's for eddie griffin who plays uh, jimmy yeah. he's like it was like a, a starring vehicle for him basically i'm not familiar with his work i know he's done some other sketch shows and things like that it's like i guess it just wasn't stuff that really took off here in ireland but he he seems lovely to his credit he, he doesn't seem like he's a bad actor or rapper so i'll, I'll give you that eddie but yeah it uh it's um just really not good Stu I mean they it, it, it feels more like a TV movie really really much so than um, some of the other stuff like, I, I don't mean that like in a bad way budget it's just the way it's set up and everything it just doesn't feel right if you know what I mean it, it's, just, it's obviously like a, a short film and it's you know there for a, a, a quick laugh and it's perfectly competent yeah I mean it, it, it it's just a mess overall I mean you know it, it starts off I think you get the, the scenes in Ireland where they kind of set up the, the evil landlord who wants to buy up all the land well, and then it like, immediately jumps then it's that it's it's basically that right so it's just saying that there's a, a british aristocratic lord who actually he actually owns all the village except the pub uh finnegan's and he has to like get by finnegan so he can take over the entire village uh because like they're like they're like have a mortgage with him so that they're leasing the land off him and things like that and yeah so firstly this film was shot in 2004 2005 came out in 2006 that's a very archaic thing that doesn't happen here anymore um you know, we're we're an independent country now. While I I do I do acknowledge that there there are still some like people uh, like the Duke of Devonshire, um, you know, Lord Inchiquin and a few other people that do have sizable land here in Ireland that are effectively British lords and ladies. Nothing quite on this scale that's seen here. I mean, this is like he owns the village and they're like leasing the land off him. That generally stopped even before we gained full independence. Like we we kind of the state bought a lot of this land back we had a famous thing called the land war in the 1930s between the uh us and the, the united kingdom sorry land war was prior to that we had a, an economic war in the 1930s which was largely about paying land annuities but anyway so like that's not really a thing anymore like and even with my knowledge of mortgages and inheritance and all this um i would say this is bollocks is is, is the shortest way of doing it like i see they, they don't even establish how how it works like it's either it's either they have whatever the normal yeah. mortgage or whatever it is with the bank and when that runs out he'll be able but to it, jump it, in it and buy it out make sense because would have been even, my interpretation now, I, 
talk to my brother about this who does work in like land agency in this country because it's like we have to assume this is like going by Irish laws and things like that so it doesn't like he doesn't he owns everything in the village except the pub so I'm like wait because if he owns all the land by through like inheritance basically because he's a lord you you get the title and the land passed down from like father to son is the British system did he sell the land that was the pub was built on because if he owns the land he arguably would own the building there I know property law is a bit more complicated than that but it's just like how don't you own the pub it actually raises questions because if you look at where the pub is in the village even he owns everything else around it it's like did you sell like a very small square of land or I don't know it's just a bit weird I th- I think Rob, they're going for more the more the American kind of you know yeah. you, like it's practically a trope where you know the rich businessman comes in and starts buying out all of the, oh, the no, local I... houses and stuff and then you know tears him down to build whatever he wants on it. I don't think he he actually owns the land like to begin with and then sells it. Out. I think it's that he's buying up the properties because they're running out of money. Oh, look, I, I get that. I'm saying it's presented in, in an inconsistent, like, because even the money is like, it goes from like, they need they need 600 grand to a million and then they raise a million, the raffle, that's still not enough. And now it's 10 million. Like that's completely inconsistent. And you see, the thing about it is like, I, I if they just made it as simple as, oh, he's a bad guy who's going to buy the land. Like, if they actually just kept it as like the Japanese businessmen want to buy the land and turn into a leprechaun theme park. You know what? I'd actually kind of go with that because at least then it's somewhat con- consistent. Either this had him doing that from the start, but bring in like this whole, obviously have an English person as the bad guy naturally, but this brings in like feudalism and like old fashioned things and it, it, it isn't consistent at all in the story. So it's actually just a, 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 a mess. I did do a bit of research into this to see if it's still true. I mean, like I kind of said, um, some British lords and ladies do still have some land here, but I mean, you're, you're not allowed titles under the constitution here. You can't be like a ward of them if you're an Irish citizen. The state is still paying some British lords for their land. Um, ironically enough, the government are paying uh, the sum of seven euros, 33 cents per year due to rent part of Dublin Castle off of someone. I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Outrageous. Who, but, uh, yeah, there's, there, there's, there, there is a bit to it here. I mean, even out in uh, Limerick, in County Limerick, we have um, yeah, the 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 Earl ha- Lord Harrington has a, a nice little estate there out near uh, out near Ballingarry, Actually, maybe he maybe he actually knows the the horse um, that we were talking about earlier. There, but Rob, you, you've buried a few leads there now. Uh, the first one being that the the English Lord's plan is to team up with some Japanese businessmen and turn the area that everyone lives yeah. into leprechaun land, which is one uh, shameful idea. For, for a plot point for the movie. The other being that the, the poetry contest that they had, which for some reason they were able to pay for full page ads in American newspapers. Oh, so I, I was only skipping over them euros, for then. I mean, I'm coming back to this. Another ludicrous idea. Also, sweet Jesus, they raise a million euros to with their poetry competition. It's just it's My crazy. God, this is the yeah. most successful in the world. But like, how much would it be to, to have... A full page I can't ad. imagine it's that cheap. Like it must have cost him a fortune for that in general. I mean, like you have to have someone like in America that will. And then well, like, you know, it, he just happens to find it. it. Like it doesn't make sense because, right? Are you broke or not? Because if you do that, like in even if they just did it, like in okay, there's like Irish people in like New York, Los Angeles, you know, the Boston, like London, like they do like the big cities that are full of Irish people. That's still not going to be cheap because, right? You're going to have to probably put in multiple newspapers because like people read different things like you know tabloid um more serious ones things like that i mean los angeles is is a 
as more people living in it than Ireland does, you'd have to use multiple newspapers there because like it's just like on the street. So it, it must be some didn't particularly care too much for it. And yeah, that's just crazy. The amount of money they'd have to spend, they'd have to hope to get it back. So unless like they, they got a million back, but it cost them like 900 grand to do all the advertising. It's that's still pretty shit. Like Yeah, like you can only assume it's like a million minus whatever it cost them to do it. But considering they didn't have enough money in the first place, where the hell did they they pay for it? But that's, I suppose, a minor uh, complaint considering the rest of the movie. I mean, like so much of it was nonsense. I mean, you start off, you know, he's over there in L.A. kind of bumming around, you know, I think he sells some like cilantro or something. He's... He's like weed, selling it as a bit of, a bit of green, you know. As I say, this is James McDevitt now, played by Eddie Griffin, who's the lead. He's, um, you know, he's he's kind of like a, he's like perpetually broke. It seems like he's like using all the old excuses. Oh, sorry, I can't pay the rent and everything else. And he says like, oh, I'm dying. My balls are falling off, and like all oh, my nieces and nephews are crying at the bedside. It's like. All right, mate. You just said you don't have the money. Yeah, and he his house is a wreck. One thing I have written down though is the cockroach donut because that was just a an awful scene to watch of him biting oh, into this donut yeah. with cockroach on it that oh, he doesn't realize. Jesus, and, that uh, was awful. And then we're introduced to the the psycho bride, of course, which oh, kind God, of you, just you, as the movie there. goes on. Yeah, as the movie goes on, you're like, she's coming back at the end. Like, you know, she's coming back. And, you know, spoilers, she does. But it wasn't really a surprise because otherwise there was no up. reason for her to be there in the first place. Yeah, apparently she's a rapper because yeah. like, she she was in the, the end credit scene. She, yeah, it's like, uh, Monique. Reverse. Yeah, Monique. Um, I don't want to say like she's playing like an African-American kind of stereotype, but I'm not an expert on this type of movie things, but... Like, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Like, it, to me, it seemed like she was a bit, but all right. It was just a strange <laughs> choice to have when, like, he gets booted out of his apartment for not paying rent. And so that's kind of when he finds the newspaper with the ad in it. Uh, the, everything before that, obviously, I suppose, setting up his, his life there in LA but having that part of it with the psycho bride who he's apparently agreed to marry and then like isn't there on their wedding day or whatever is just a a strange addition where you might have done better having more scenes in Ireland I think it's like explained later when he's talking to Maureen in Ireland that it's like it was her sister that the bride's sister like gave him some money on the condition that he marry her or something like that and he didn't really want to it's I think that's what the the explanation that's given but like she is like mad into him as, as you can see by her coming back at the end apparently having not changed her wedding dress in a few months i, I would presume um 
but like as well, I I will give a little shout out. I think after he he sees it, like he sees the ad. I think after he gets kicked out, like he has the the vision of Ireland because I think he's a like island girl. So he like thinks he's on like this beach with like all these bikini clad women, and he sees like his <laughs> his 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 uh, fiance oh, yeah, running at him. Yeah, yeah. My my note is there is like this is just like the the lotto ads, you know, where like your your man wins the lotto and like he moves all his friends <laughs> to like an island. It just reminds me of an island in Spain. What, wasn't it that he like yeah. moves the entire um, country to the island? Yeah, it's like we have this our, our lotto or lottery, um, national lotto here in Ireland. There's like these ads that they have, and it's like I think it's for like a millionaire's raffle that they do for like New Year's Eve. But there's like one of these series of ads that they have, and it's uh like one guy wins and he basically moves all his friends to like this island in the Caribbean. Like it's like oh sun and sea, but they still have like all of their um Irish tropes and they want their Guinness and all the other things there. And like there's another bit where like we move the whole country to the Caribbean. Yeah, if only, and, if you know, only. Just remind yeah. me of that. But yeah, like there, like there are some good bits i think in it uh let me look through my list to see what i have you know you see the power of of the priests at one point where isn't it uh maureen's brother who's the priest like he scares off the three goons yep. just like because he's the priest like they just shuffle off and it's like that kind of stuff you can see in a certain respect um i know they were like like you wouldn't see it now but like in an older ireland you have like the chickens on the shop wall would be another thing that would have happened in the past in uh, in small towns, but uh, I don't think you'd see that anymore. Oh, like the town, the town center is just like Ireland in like the nineteen twenties almost. It just looks like you know it's the market square. It's like everyone is. It's like Jesus lads. It's two. It's two thousand and five. Nineteen twenty five here. Like yeah, like things like that. You know, you have like I, I think at one point I saw sheep wandering through the village. Another thing that if it was an older yeah. Ireland, you would definitely see, but not congruent with Ireland as it is now, or even two thousand six. I felt the pub itself didn't look bad. I mean, I felt it was like a set as a opposed to an actual pub but it, it was you know pubs can be set up like that i did take the issue that it was i actually noted the time on this it was fourteen thirty three in the film before i saw anyone drinking a guinness in there which was a little bit off <laughs> there's also there's all because like they're I, I don't mind them okay they're some of them are drinking beer grand but there's quite a few of them are like they're drinking out of like metal cups uh, i can't say that i noticed it no it's it's just very weird but that is very strange <laughs> there, but like there's a couple of times in the film like it, it uh, two or three times certainly that i i just notice this that there's guys and they're drinking out of like these very nice very ornate kind of metal cups like with handles on them and like kind of legs it's almost like um like i have seen these before but like the only time i've ever seen them used is like this place in london and they do like very fancy cocktails and it was like this cocktail where you have to use these because like it's it's got it's a blue light or something like that it's like oh you you burn the things and you have to move between the metal things and because it causes like a blue flame and it's a a fancy cocktail very odd i i don't think i've ever seen that in an irish pub at all Stu. um for for drinking i mean i I don't think you'd really drink you wouldn't drink beer with like a metal cup like that because it would put the the taste wouldn't be right you'd, you'd get some of the metal in it um very unusual i said i had to bring that up yeah um also they're smoking in the pub um this is after the smoking ban would have been in place i mean they, they might have you know uh, it's island life the, i, I don't think i saw a single guard so it's fine yeah that's actually a fair i actually had that notice as well as like oh there doesn't seem to be any guard it seems the priest is just in charge so uh, i do have one note here <laughs> that uh i assume was a joke put in at some point that, but i can't entirely remember the context i just have the bloods and the crisps yeah 
Um, I actually have a special bit about this. So the, the uh, Maureen's father uh, kind of goes on this thing about obviously because uh, Jimmy is the only uh, person of color on on this island, whatever that, and they they seem to have never seen someone of his um, ethnicity before. Is the kind of reaction you get, which is like, all right, it's two thousand and five, like in Ireland, like 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 known like the be black people, uh, Chinese people, like growing up, it's not that unusual. Immediately, I do live in a city but like it wasn't on comets I mean like buddy Phil Linnett was like one of the biggest rock stars in the world in the 70s and 80s he was also a very proud dub there have been plenty of other people in Ireland of um, uh, different ethnicities that grew up here, even like in Limerick where we live, even out in further places. It's not, it's just a weird reaction. I mean, maybe they didn't expect it, but it yeah, just isn't it that they, it, they all you know. uh, wait outside. They don't want, none of them want to go into the pub at all. Yeah. And then it, it's um, Maureen's father is the first one to, to actually walk in, but he does give that, that really weird speech. And I think I mentioned it to you at the time after I'd watched yeah. it that he uses a, a, a particularly colorful word. Um, which I will say uh, the green N-word was something that we were referred to in other parts of the world during our mass immigration. Yeah, and that isn't, like, I think white N-words is what, certainly the, the English referred to us as that. And I will say, like, that, you know, Jimmy's character does use that N-word quite a lot when he's in the, the Los Angeles part. And I mean, you know, fine, if he wants to use that, that's that's not for me to say I'm I'm a I'm a white guy. I, I, I'm not using that word. It's, um you know, but if he wants yeah. to, more power to him, whatever. Um but yeah, like it's Jesus. I didn't think they'd actually get him to say it because when you think about it a bit more, it's like okay, obviously Eddie Griffin like wrote part of this. He would have they like I assume they would have asked him, "Can is it all right for us to say this?" But then you think about it more, it's like well, this is an English person playing an Irish person talking about oppressing and using that term, and it's like oh, that's actually kind of worse. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to say whether it's a good or a bad thing. It, like it has a certain context in the movie. It's like it's it it's. But, Beyond it's that, a fair enough point. I think like, talking about like how Irish people face discrimination when they went to the, the USA and the UK, like we talked about this before, and how um, we shouldn't judge people coming here who are of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different religions, because we suffered our that discrimination when we went abroad. So we should, in in a sense, be welcoming because like we're the island of hundred thousand welcomes. Of course, Cade Milafalchi is the first thing they say to him: hundred thousand welcomes when he gets off the boat. Then he asks if anyone here speaks English. So you know. I, I I I think I think the point was made. I mean, it, it, I will say like one of the things that did make me laugh a little bit when Jimmy's getting off the boat and like people are shocked and like he's talking to them. He's like asking where the native women are and he sees the priest come up and he says, "You stay away from the little boys now." And it's like, oh god, he actually went. There. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did have that written Christ. down, but I couldn't remember the context. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that was something. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I suppose like race was going to play a part in this film just with the kind of way it is. But I think it was handled fairly well. You know, it's he integrates fine by the end of it. Everyone accepts him for who he is. He's he blends like his rap and into the, the Irish trad music or it, what they think yeah, Irish I mean, trad music as, is. We'll talk as about the that movie goes later. on, the more and more of the people who are, let's say, conscientious objectors of going into the pub kind of grow to know him and uh, start to like him. And so they slowly all filter in, except for, as I mentioned before, the three goons who uh, are really the, the, the last to change their minds on him. But, you know, it, like that, the, the kind of montage there in the middle was kind of the nicest part was, for me. Yeah. Just kind of seeing everyone going to like him and all, they're all having crack in the pub. And obviously he he's like getting to know Maureen and Kathleen a bit more. And you see how she's opening up to him and all that. 
So it, it has, as I said, it has a, its moments. I will say, like of, you of know, to to Eddie, nice to Eddie Griffin's to uh, an credit movie. as an actor, he like when he's with doing the scenes with Maureen, like the kind of where Lobby's up and is opening up a bit, he he does actually show a nice bit of emotion. Like he comes out of his shell a bit, and I think the scenes like with with her daughter uh, Kathleen, he actually is like really warm and kind of very you know he, he he's he's able to deal with kids. Got he comes down to her level, he shows her a bit of warmth and has like a bit of a laugh and a joke with her. The other bit where he's like, oh, I bet you have like a lovely singing voice trying to get her to do something. It's like he. Just like he does come across quite nice in that so i mean too i'll give you your credit eddie you know you, you do a good job here when you want to act genuine is just putting on like the whole hired man trying to be the tough guy thing just you know it's a, it, it's a bit grating because i think you're trying to be like chris tucker in uh your rush hour or something like that i think he i, I think he's really trying to go for that but um he's quite nice when he tries to be himself yeah i could definitely see that now that you mention it he's yeah. like kind of Chris Tucker in Rush Hour. I said that's just exactly what I think because I even think at the start, like he's really trying to do like a, a, it really sounds like he's trying to do a Dave Chappelle impression. Uh, like I said, I haven't seen his comedy like outside of this, but he worked for Chappelle. Yeah, but it, well, it he just was sounded, uh, like at the start he was on the Dave Chappelle to be show for a while. Like I Dave believe. Chappelle doing one of his characters, um, as opposed to being himself. I think when he does play himself and he like he turns the dial down to like six or seven he's actually comes across quite likable and comes across as a decent actor. So, you know, I, I think um, it works better. If there was more of that in the film, grand. Yeah, and I, I did enjoy some of the scenes where, uh, the, as I said, like he kind of integrates a bit more with Irish culture, but then he also like yeah. gives the, the, the villagers a bit of, of American culture where I know Kathleen is the wearing LA like, hat, yeah. or, I can't remember, like a Lakers uh, jumper and, and you know, the, the baseball cap. But like everyone else is kind of getting into into a bit of American culture at the same time, so it's a nice kind of cultural exchange that they're having. It's kind of interesting, like because he, he he does kind of do the the kind of rap over the trad music. They have an interesting version of trad music, I'd say. Like they have the a percussion instrument which we don't use, like you know the kind of stick that kind of makes a kind of rattling noise. Um, we don't use that in Irish trad oh, music yeah, yeah. at all. It's it is actually it's used in a Maris dancing, which is a an English tradition. Um, which actually we won't. That's a different kettle of fish. I'll together but uh, we don't use that in Irish trad music I've never seen it used in that context like they have a boron and a fiddle and um, a Spanish guitar which is a, is a bit odd um, like a nylon stringed one which all right not the craziest thing it just wouldn't be very loud because guitar and, and trad music generally is more of a, a strumming tool it's really more for kind of percussion you you, it, you don't really use it as like a lead instrument as much but you know it, uh, fair enough I felt actually overall too the music in this film wasn't actually that bad like the the ballads where like Maureen is singing I, I don't think it was actually the actress. They're actually not that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it's been a while, so I can't remember it too much, but I, I have nothing to complain about about it anyway. I felt uh, it was it's actually kind of, it, better. It works I felt it was better than I thought. When they bring it in. Uh, we do need to mention as well, though, the love triangle that forms between Maureen, Jimmy, and the other fella whose name Michael. escapes me, Michael. Because obviously they were kind of close at the start. One thing I want to say about this, because... Um, I had like some notes on a few of the individual characters. We'll get into accents in a little bit because I have plenty to say on that. But Michael, there's like a bit in it where he he goes over to Maureen's house. Like so, Jimmy has been like knocked out in a fight. So like they revive and they put her up, and he she stays over in his house, and she like you know leaves him out some fresh clothes, looks after him. And Michael comes over and he's like you know interested in Maureen. He's like, look, I I I you know I love I'm in love with you. I really do care about your daughter. I look after her like my own. I mean, you there's something there. And then he actually takes off his wig like to, 
as kind of a yeah that part was and then like even like a bit of a surprise uh, yeah because i I tend to notice when it's a poorly placed wig but it was quite well done obviously with but no but the makeup department for the movie but but as soon as he normally you can kind of tell as soon as i did it still i was like holy shit he looks like me hall martin because he does he's the head off Michal Martin when he has these ticks off yeah he does actually a little bit uh, Michal Martin our Taoiseach our Prime Minister at the moment he's a, <laughs> a, 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 a 60 year old slightly balding man with like he looks exactly like him Stu he could like he could play him in a film minus the accent but he's Michael's accent isn't actually that bad he's obviously not Irish but he puts on a, a better accent than some of the other people do we'll, we'll, we'll get to it but like I just said I had to say like he just looks the head off Michal Martin when he takes off the wig like it's it's scary so I mean it, it in the sense yeah, hopefully he'll play him in a movie someday in the future that we can review Real Martin would have been Minister for Health at the time this came yeah, out so there's so a little bit of a love triangle were... I mean you see at the start that they, they that Michael and Kathleen are quite close and there's yeah. kind of a a hint that, like, it, say, if Jimmy hadn't come along, they probably would have gotten together. Yeah, you know, it, it, I think it's it, it, you see, it isn't done in like a the kind of standard way you'd see in these films. Like, it's not like Jimmy and Michael are actually actively competing against each other because, like, they don't interact too much. Yeah, I, th- I think you you get it's more like, like, you get more of like, the um, feeling that uh, you know Michael kind of loves her so much that he'll step aside for someone he thinks is a good see, man it's, for yeah, her, and it's, and, it, and it's genuinely interesting because. You know, like the kind of normal trope in these kind of things. Oh, the two of them are going to compete over love. So I had at that point, I had a feeling it was. Oh, I bet they're going to do like some type of. Um, it's going to be some kind of competition or something like that. And like Michael is going to get up and like play a musical instrument or like say like a lovely love ballad, and then Jimmy will get up and do like some rap song about her over like a trad thing, and then it'll be like, oh, who's who's the best? Who won here? And then that's the then he'll win. And then like the thing, oh, you plagiarize the poem that you use, which comes up much much towards the end uh but they don't they they just kind of both separately kind of deal with her and both kind of woo her and that's that's it so that was a surprising choice i felt but not necessarily a bad one yeah i i enjoyed it i mean there was, there was enough of uh conflict throughout the movie as a whole that it wasn't necessary but it was nice to see two men acting like grown adults in a way rather than what you usually get of you know no she's mine no she's mine kind of because shit. I, I really thought that it was going to be like where jimmy's like attacked from behind at one point i thought it was going to be oh it's actually michael and there was like a whole thing where he went with the lord to kind of attack him because he wants to get rid of him but that didn't happen at all like it, i i really thought that was going to be like a twist but it didn't happen and i was like oh, yeah that's but, uh, um, of course he, he was attacked up, at one point by like, I guess the, the goons sent by the landlord Hailstock, and that's when he's brought back and that's the, the, really where the, the relationship kind of starts to grow yeah, properly um, like the whole like doctor just being like ah he'll be fine <laughs> can you see my finger no ah he's grand <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean it's alright I mean I don't know how Yeah, there's like a few bits in it like where it is a bit uh, oh is this alright because like Maureen says she has jungle fever I'm like oh can you say that <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh that doesn't sound right because like it but i'm like well i'm sure like eddie griffin was all right with it i was like grand but like still that's oh don't say that like that's that's pretty offensive <laughs> but um yeah but it is interesting I, I like actually at one point like um jimmy like he's he's like singing like elvis almost i don't know what the hell this scene like it's just 
what I think the second time he's in the pub and instead of like doing the rapping over the trad music, he's like trying to sing and dance like Elvis. It's really weird. It's just like, where the hell is this coming out of? It doesn't happen at, at any other time in the film. Yeah, it's, some parts of the movie almost feel like it's kind of a, a demo reel for Eddie Griffin. Where it's like, look at all of the, the various ways that I can act in a single movie. Like, you know, later on they do the, the karate scene where he's fighting the goons and at one point he has like, was it rabbits as, as nunchucks? Like he, it's, it's really weird. Like this, this whole, oh, I have like some form of kung fu like Bruce Lee taught me himself. It's and it keeps coming up and like he use it in the fight scene at the end. It's like where is this coming out of? Like, I, I is is there something I'm missing here? No, I think I think that's uh, you hit the nail on the head earlier on. It, it's definitely rush hour. Yeah, you know that kind of like you know pretending that he can do this martial art and then being completely overwhelmed when he actually has to do something. Yeah, with it. I mean, there's a bit. I know, um, um, re- re- uh, mute, mute YouTube uh, music reviewer and critic guy, uh, Todd in the Shadows. He, he he was like one hit Wonderland and like Train Record. He he did um, you know the song Kung Fu Fighting. Everybody was right, Kung yeah. Fu Fighting. Rob, well, good claim. Well, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was doing about it. And he he said. He felt the reason why it was so big in the USA and it was like something also about how Kung Fu films were, were massive at the time. Like it was the time like the Bruce Lee films and all that. Um, it was because of black audiences in Harlem because they saw it like they really liked the films because they connected with it on a sense that, you know, the the, the white person was off, often the, the bad person in these films. So it was like, you know, Bruce Lee fighting against an evil white person and they could kind of cheer for him in, in kind of a sense. So maybe I just said I, I might yeah, mention I that. that because I said I might mention it because it's an interesting comparison. And I suppose it's um we could look it's something we could maybe look into a bit further. I don't know but you know it, it, it might just be the thing why it's prevalent um perhaps it's something culture there that we don't quite get but i just felt it, it i thought he was trying to be that's really the point where i was like is he just trying to be chris tucker here and it's a little bit grating when he constantly does the hiya and all that stuff but anyway yeah uh, there is one thing though we do know of one irish person who was in irish jam and it might actually be one of our favorite irish people did you um, recognize this person no what if i said the name donna Donna. since you watched it earlier on today Um, you might remember yeah she's one of the she i think she helps out in the pub or at least she's she she yeah if i'm remembering right she uh, wanders up the stairs and sees um sees him in the nip early on i I did actually recognize her face slightly it just popped back into my head there is that the was she in the yank oh rob is no who is that is it rhino brady come on you got this oh no her name is Marion O'Dwyer and she's had previous dealings with Americans coming to Ireland um chasing leprechauns is that who i'm thinking of that's it no i was i thought for a second she yeah, was the bed she was the, the bed and breakfast keeper in, in chasing <laughs> leprechauns <laughs> yeah i come to think i did kind of have a, a faint sense of recognition off of her um but like i couldn't quite place it um oh god there you go so there was one irish person on this trade wreck <laughs> exactly oh one god. as far as i can tell but... yeah um speaking about one is all you need speaking about that Stu we have to talk about the accents here because I mean look since they were all English for the most part it's going to be shit okay I will say this now not everyone is equal some people do do better and I I, I do apologize I don't have all the the actor and actresses names in front of me here I will just say their character but mostly kind of Maureen because she does get the most screen time I think she doesn't do a bad job I don't really know where she's going for I think she's kind of going for kind of a non-specific west coast kind of an accent which I suppose might be right because they're on like an island it does slip in a couple of parts but not too much I think she does a, a pretty decent job I'd go as far as saying I don't know if that's actually her singing 
if it's actually the actress singing there, but she completely loses her accent if that is the case. I'm not 100% sure if it is. I think it was dubbed, but look, sure, there you go. Now, her brother, the priest, Stu. Ooh, you know, Stu, I uh, I think I know a part of Ireland this man is from. Um, He's from Yorkshire, which you might know is in the very far east. Like, he, there is an attempt at an Irish accent here very very subtly but mostly when he's talking he's just speaking like ah oh, yeah come to yorkshire i i can't do a yorkshire accent properly but i'm just like you that's just you're just from yorkshire like you're are you even trying here like well Jesus i have him Christ. up on imdb like, sorry, there he's is, actually this was bad from liverpool oh, i might more of a lancashire accent then i i look i just said it was like either lancashire or yorkshire oh don't, like don't at me in on twitter like uh i know i know like lancashire and yorkshire there's a bit of a rivalry there <laughs> jesus like i just knew it was like somewhere around there because i was like are you even trying here? And also, if he's from Liverpool, there must be tons of Irish people there. Couldn't he? <laughs> we could do a better accent. But that was really bad. Like if 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 we actually if I had seen this and we did this before our awards last week, this this would be given strong strong competitions due for worst male accent. Really, really would. The father now isn't as bad. Like you can tell, he's not Irish, of course, because his accent will slip a bit. But he's kind of going for like um sort of an old Darby O'Gill kind of an accent was really what I felt, you know, like an old fashioned kind of one there, but it really wasn't terrible. It, it, like it, did, it didn't fall down really in too many places. Yeah. I mean, like, look, it, it, like, as we've said, the movie was filmed in England. It had mostly English actors probably because of that. But I mean, considering what they were given, some of them did do passable jobs yeah it's okay like i mean it could have been worse i'd say like michael as well actually does do a, a pretty good job I'll, I'll give him credit for that and like the three buckos there the, the really tall fellow does most of the talking he's actually not that bad it's it's not great but it's 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 okay and like the butler to the british lord fella um the few bits where he speaks yes i'm fine you know he, you know he doesn't speak that much he's just kind of like yeah, yes my lord and all this stuff and it's like grand but he he does kind of i, I would have said sort of a south dublin kind of an accent so if that's what he's going for grant yeah so i suppose we'll we'll mention the finale before we finish up if unless there's anything else you ha- would like to mention uh so basically no one is drinking guinness in here because if you look at all the points of guinness they're all exactly half done with the head going across in a straight line so either they weren't using real guinness i think they were using like something to simulate it um or they no one was like drinking these things like you know it was just like uh it's there it but you, you just notice it that they're always at the same level like all of the glasses and it's a bit it's a no it genuinely is <laughs> i mean yeah. that's that's an interesting theory rob like the way they have a uh, <laughs> like the way guinness. they have uh fake cocaine for movies if they had like some fake guinness that you could pour into a glass that looked like a real Guinness. Well, see, I don't know if it even is because, like, there's some bits in it where they're obviously drinking something out of it, but there's definitely things where, like, they're on the tables. You can see the glass, but they're all at the same level. But they're they're too perfect, if you know what I mean. Like the head and the the glass, it's just like it's exactly halfway down, and the heads look exactly the same. And like this looks like it's it, it's like painted on or something. I don't know, but it, it just doesn't look right. But but anyway, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, but uh, so the ending. Of- the movie they find out that jimmy was going to sell the pub because he didn't care about it at the time he has a big change of heart when he's confronted by it by the the goons who found out from lord hailstock and so he concocts his plan and with the yeah. help of uh, is it petty creep just hailstock's butler i suppose they're able to talk to the japanese businessmen and and basically screw over hailstock i did want to mention actually uh did you recognize uh petty creep from anything oh the butler fella 
Yeah, vaguely. I, I didn't uh, check what he was from, but uh, he, he did have one of those faces. So his again. name is Vass Anderson, and I just I haven't looked up there. He was actually oh. the third elder in Superman, the Richard Donner originals. Uh, so he was one of the, the Kryptonians, I think. But he was also in a show. I, I don't think you've heard of it now, Rob. It's called uh, Father Ted. Who was he in Father Ted? The episode is New Jack City. Oh, and he the doctor. Dr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they had to put Jack in the nursing home because so of the hairy he's hands. A veteran of Irish stuff. So I suppose he might have done a better accent because of that. But yeah, so they, they screw over. They like steal all of Hailstock's money and uh, the day is saved pretty much. But isn't it uh, Jimmy decides that he wants to, he's going to leave because yeah. he's betrayed everyone and they all hate him. But Kathleen then, Maureen? Kathleen's a kid. Yeah, Maureen's a kid. Uh, Maureen's runs down mother, yeah. to, yeah, runs down to, to stop him from getting on the, the boat. And then everyone comes along and big happy ending kind of thing. And uh, just after that, then, of course, we have the wedding, which... As I said earlier on, surprise, surprise, who bursts in but the psycho bride yeah, from the beginning as, of the as, movie. Uh, it was almost like that was set up that way, Steve. Yeah, it, it felt almost as if they were planning on like some sequel or something, but that could just be madness on my part. I was actually just looking up there because I was like, oh, there any other cast members I kind of did? I was like, look, the Lord Haverstock fella. I know he was in like Pirates of the Caribbean, which I was not. He, I, he's the Prime Minister in Johnny English as well, which... Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he plays Gibbs. Yeah, uh, that's right. But, but I didn't recognize I, I him at the time. Now that you say it, he was Gibbs, and I think, oh, he actually does play an Irish person in a, in a much older film. It, it is on the list of films that we have. It's called The Long Good Friday. It's got Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren in it from the nineteen eighties. So it, it's definitely on the list anyway. But it's a, uh, it's not a, not a, not, Ooh, not very a bad interesting. Film. Uh, it's about the Ra. You'd be well, shocked. Here. Would you be surprised? Uh, so yeah. unless you have anything else, Rob, I think we'll. Uh, Finish up there for this week. That's about all I've got. Uh, what would you say, Sue? Crock of gold or crock of shite? Like, as I said, I, I I have mixed feelings on this movie because there are certain scenes that are quite good. Some parts of Irishness they get right, but overall, the, the, the lack of consistency, the, the lack of even caring enough to film it in Ireland, it's got to be a crock of shite. I'd have to agree. I'd say crock of shite. Like, I did talk about, like... Uh, I like films that are so bad they're good. And like that's why we had the the best worst film uh, as one of our award categories. But I feel in this case, eh, I don't think there's enough good there to put it into that category. I just feel this is a bad film. Um, And it it doesn't get like, if it got more things wrong, you know, it it might go up, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's if just, they were trying um, to intentionally get things confident. wrong. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I think if they kind of went more towards the Yank kind of direction with one of these things, Grant, like I think if they actually yeah. filmed it in Ireland, it might have just pushed it over the edge, and I think I would have enjoyed it more. But um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't call as a good film, and I found like Jimmy's character really, really annoying for a lot of it, and it was just a bit boring in parts. Like the opening twenty minutes are just ugh, didn't enjoy them at all now. And one other thing as well, the whole open of this film is like the the magic ones, yeah, and then like they're there, that, like that's never made where you're coming from the there. Very end. Yeah, so thanks for listening anyway, guys. Um, as always, you can give us a shout on uh, Blarney Pod on Twitter, or you can email us at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com. We do appreciate all your feedback. If you've enjoyed this, um, do tell a friend. If you didn't like something, please let us know. Uh, what 
we can improve on. We will be doing a report for our next episode, which will be based on a very important Irish saga, Stu, wouldn't it be fair to say? Oh, definitely. The Yes, the, uh, the, fa- darn tootin, <laughs> the you might fable say. story of the Garth Brooks concerts in Dublin in the in uh, 2010 I believe uh, yeah if you don't know about this the, the whole Garth Brook fiasco oh you are in for a treat sorry 2011 my apologies <laughs> so that'll be it but if you enjoyed this anyway thank, thanks very much guys for listening anyway do appreciate all of this uh, for me it's goodbye Sloan and we'll see you next week even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.